Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pint Glass Preachers. We are Tom, Gabe, and Josh. In this, our 23rd episode, we reflect on what this show is all about. At its root, this podcast is a platform for the aforementioned Tom, Gabe, and Josh to indulge in self-gratification by hearing their own voice and increasing tenfold their own egos with the simple knowledge that their vapid opining is actually listened to by some tens of listeners on the interwebs. All, all this through the thinly disguised format of discussing cultural events through the lens of the gospel. While we are emphatic believers in Jesus Christ, and we aim to break down this faith in easy-to-digest fragments, today we look at the opposite side of the coin as we discuss the topic of atheism. Today we talk about not God. Psst, we're actually going to talk about God a lot. Is it possible to get sued by Merriam-Webster? I feel like, Tom, we discussed the vapid uh, pronunciation (laughs) several times, and then you still said vapid. (laughs) it's vapid or vapid. <laughs> it could be either. We're going to be sued by Merriam-Webster. I can just feel it. She's coming for you us. Can't We've all the words. I've already got the it. lawsuit from that queen track on my desk. Like, <laughs> Dude, we need to hire a lawyer. Oh, come on! They're not interested in podcasts that have dozens of listeners. Apparently not. Apparently, Queen is just slightly too large for us. I guess. I tell you I what, guess. though, if we were uh, if we were playing Metallica, we'd probably be sued already. So, ain't that the truth? Like Lars Ulrich has nothing better than do. You know why? Because he's terrible at drums. Fact. That Dude, guy's a just, bad drummer. They just dropped a new album. Yeah, and I did. bet, and I bet it'd be awesome. Except he's the drummer for that band, and he's bad <laughs> at it. You know, I just listened to a, an interview with him in our, one of our local radio stations, and he was actually like really entertaining. Had some really great things to say, very complimentary, actually remembered things about things that happened 20, 30 years ago, which was like, you know, at the height of the cocaine era. So I it was I was impressed. Even his though drumming I know was remarkable. Was, his drumming was not remarkable, Josh. <laughs> I assure yeah. you. Couldn't but I also know he sued some little boy for naming his dog Metallica. So, you know. Golly. That's weird. Soulless. Indeed. Yeah, Bold. So- Metallica. That's not hey, what we're talking cheers, about. Tonight. Pros, cheers. Whatever. Salud. So tonight for me, man, uh, I'm drinking Deschutes Jubal Ale, mm. a festive winter ale. Mm. Uh, Deschutes is, of course, out of Bend, Oregon. It's a very awesome label that you can't see, but uh, at any rate, uh, I like it. It's all right. It's kind of. You ever have like those Christmas ales where it tastes like potpourri smells? Uh, is is how I like to put it. Man, is that is that it? That's it. 
That's kind of crazy. I feel like Deschutes is usually much more high quality than that. I mean, it's good, but it's just like it it tastes like potpourri smells, you know? You know what? Every time these breweries try to do a Christmas ale kind of thing, it's kind of like something they throw together in August or September, and that's kind of what happens. I honestly feel but, like they make the beer out of the same thing they make fruitcake out of. Ugh, well, ugh. well, you know, there, well, hold on, hold on. Before you okay. go there, yes, Tom. Deschutes just happens to be a very nice supporter of Second Harvest. Just thought I'd throw that out. Really? Seriously? Yeah. They uh, they throw a, they do a couple big events around the country and support a major nonprofit a lot, a lot of times around food, uh, food security and things like that. And uh, they've been doing this event in Minnesota now for a number of years because it's such a popular event and it's helping a pretty good cause and people seem to like that. So they've stuck around. Wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like them. I just don't like the sale. But yeah, well, well, if I can take the cultural level down a, well, let's just say a handful of notches, then uh, I was trying to stay culturally relevant um, in my beer of choice tonight. It's from Gadsden, Alabama. Roll right? Tide. Yep. Yeah. Oh, they got rolled over. Mm, too soon. That's too what soon. Happened, Tom. <laughs> and um, I actually poured it into a Yeti. Because down here in the South, people love to put terrible beer in Yetis. Yep. But I thought, hey, if I put in a Freckle Belly IPA from Back 40 Beer Company into a Yeti, will it stay cold the entire episode? So I'll let you guys know by the end if it's not already gone. Nice. Yep. So getting down and dirty in the South with a Southern beer and a Yeti. Nice. Did you guys actually watch that game? Uh, I watched part of it. I had an elders meeting at the time in a bar. So we watched the, it while we discussed deep theological truths. That fourth quarter was one of the best fourth quarters of football I've ever seen. It's fantastic. Oh, wow. I'm old, and if you remember, embracing my fat dad status, so I went to bed before halftime. <laughs> oh, man. You missed it. You missed out. Apparently. Uh, I am drinking, drink, Tom. I'm drinking a gin and tonic, but tonight I have gone uh, – uh, taking a little twist – and I am drinking Jay Carver Gin, uh, their barrel-aged gin, which is uh, obviously aged in a barrel, whiskey barrels. And so it takes on a little darker caramel type of color, uh, thus coloring the gin and tonic something a little different and giving it a nice, smooth taste. Hmm. I like it. I like it. Hey, so tonight, you know, Tom, in the intro, you mentioned we're talking atheism, but I think... You know, maybe for our listeners early on here, it, it looks like as we've kind of prepped for the show, it's going to be even perhaps broader than that. That not necessarily just the belief in no God, but perhaps maybe a skeptical view about uh, the the Christian belief in God is maybe how I'd put it. And uh, and so I think that that's what we're getting into, right? It's not just like no belief in God, but it's like a, a skeptical view of what Orthodox Christianity is. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I, f I feel like we're going to hit, we'll probably hit both. Yeah, because yeah, that's, yeah. You know, I mean, for the three of us, we're all sitting here as, as Christians, more specifically Lutheran Christians, but so that's where we can speak to the most, but I think maybe really high level we can start with, with the unbelief in a God and then quickly move it down to the, the, the Christianity portion of it. Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Before we do that uh, though. Yeah. Yeah. Have I ever admitted to you guys? And if, well, actually I should ask if you've ever thought about this before, but if I wasn't a Christian, I feel like that would be a very concentric pagan. 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So I'm talking, you know, along the lines of ancient Celtic paganism, you know, um, perhaps e- even ancient Nordic paganism, so to speak. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm a huge fan of the History Channel's show, The Vikings. And yeah. so I haven't been caught up on this season. I went over to my in-law's house on Saturday and binge-watched the entire season so far, which is like six episodes, right? And they've got this like sick music that is always the score for every episode. And every once in a while, like when they're going to go into battle or they're making a sacrifice of like a goat or a horse or something like that, you know, they, you hear this like really kind of cryptic but passionate like, you know, chanting in, a, in another language that's just like you hear like these drums reverberating and it just gets my blood going, okay? And so I did a little research on the Google and oh, I discovered dude. this band and they're called uh, like – I'm going to say it wrong, but like Vardruna. And they're a Nordic folk band that basically wrote like the soundtrack for the Vikings. And so I find them on Spotify. Yeah. And I'm like, Jenny, you got to check this out. It's so good. So I play her like a little video that this dude performed at. And she goes, Josh, that's like the most pagan thing. Like, I don't know if you should be listening to that because you have no idea what they're saying. And they could be like, you know, worshiping Odin or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but it sounds amazing. So I completely disregard my wife's, you know, very faithful admonitions for me not to do this. And literally on Monday, entire day, I listened to three straight albums of this like Nordic Nordic folk music. And no joke, by the time I finished, like my head actually hurt. Uh, I don't know if it's because my headphones were on my head for like eight straight hours or whatever, but like I was so into it that I listened to three straight albums. And I'm not talking, this isn't like your typical hip hop song. It's like three minutes long or like a pop song, you know, that might border on four minutes. Each one of these tracks is like seven and a half minutes. And they got like rain falling and like goat horns and mouth harps and like crazy weird pagan chanting. I was super into it. Dude, uh, so are you like worshiping Odin now? I mean, is that. I don't know. I don't. You got I, the I beard. That's what's yeah. kind of sketchy. I may have been. I'm not sure. But I listened to – I mean, if I had to look up the hours, it was probably like at least the four Thor hours. The Thor movies are actually like religious experiences for you now or – I'm not even kidding, man. Like, right. <laughs> like if, if I wasn't a pastor, I would, I would be like a Nordic pagan. Do you know what's interesting about that comment, Josh? Um, and sorry, I know we're supposed to do this part quick, but I don't care. Like are, do you say that because you actually think that that's like true or you just think that would be really fun? No, I think it's because it's actually true. And you, you've up. known me for long enough that – That's I've true, actually. No, you're not kidding. I've yeah. always been enamored with like very, you know, n- naturistic paganism, you know, creation-rooted kind of like worship of, you know, like – Well, like what we'd call first article theology. Yeah, basically. You know, I've always been into that super hardcore, yeah. uh, even yeah. within the Christian context. So – yeah, yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like I would, yeah. and it's and it's really dangerous. Because well, you like, like surfing stuff too, right? So you got your kumbaya with the ocean. Yeah, and all that. I, I mean I did. So now I just have. Yeah, to, like, I guess you out. don't surf. You don't surf in Tennessee. No, but I hang out like in the mountains, and I like to make fire, yeah. and you know that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got you. so if by the end of the episode I'm a Nordic pagan, you'll know why. Now we'll know. Now we'll know. Yeah. You know it. So you know, like you saying that, and I think we, I, you know, I know I've had that thought myself too. Like, if I wasn't a Christian, what would I be? Uh, you know, and I don't know. I honestly, I don't know if I'd be alive. Um, and it, at any rate, but there is sort of this mm, ethos in our culture. I think that that uh, you know Charles Taylor put it this way: that like 
it, it's not so much that uh, that we we have doubts about what we believe. It's that like we believe while doubting. That's sort of just the air we breathe and what what he called, uh, he's a Canadian philosopher, what he called a secular age, uh, is this air of skepticism. And uh, and I think that's why the conversation we're having tonight, hopefully will be a fun one, but but uh, a good one for us to, to think on and for our listeners to chew on with us. Uh, and, and one of the things that brought that out to me most relevantly was when I was in uh, seminary school, uh, Josh and I were doing some work at a, at a, a church plant, uh, and this church plant was hosting a night where it said, um, what did it say? Oh, it was a night where it was like inviting people to explore the Christian faith. And it was kind of like a Bible class that would meet weekly. It was called um, Fresh Look at God. And so it was like, hey, maybe you've disregarded this. Come and check it out with us. And, and we'll walk through who God is and what this means, right? So so they have this class. And I went to it as a seminary student. And the, the pastor leading this class went around the room and had everyone in the room share why they were there. And, uh, and I remember this moment where the guy kind of right before me, uh, he said, you know, I'm here because either this class convinces me that Christianity is true or else I guess I'll just be an atheist. And for me, what was like most fascinating about that was that he said the words, I guess, like that that was just the default position, right? So it wasn't like either Christianity is true or I'll be a Buddhist or I'll be Hindu or I'll explore a bunch of other options. It was like his default setting was like, well, of course we all start as atheists, but some of you crazies grab onto God, which is so interesting because I don't, you know, statistically speaking, most people aren't atheists, but there's like this default setting in us that has this doubt against, I, and I think honestly, frankly, any sort of orthodoxy that's been passed on to us. And, and that's just fascinating to me. Well, I think that you, you talk about that skepticism. You talk talk about this struggle against anything that could, that that makes us conform or puts rules on us or things like that. I mean, I think that's been since the dawn of time. I mean, yeah, for the three of us as Christians, I mean, we, we're talking about God placed like one rule on us: don't don't do this, and we did that, you know, and and. <laughs> Through, 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 let's take it to a little bit more modern culture. The the church itself over the last four or five hundred years, we 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 see constant political struggle in the church body doing things that we don't believe is right and being hypocritical, and so we are then skeptical of the main yep. message, even though it's we shouldn't be skeptical of the main message. We should be skeptical of those who are sharing it maybe or the political structure around it we're taught to be skeptical of our government we're taught to be skeptical of the man you know mm -hmm. and so that's i get why that's a natural a natural default but yeah, yeah. the opposite is so great and why we can't fall into that just as easily is i think part of that question for me too yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll have a good time exploring it tonight. But uh, before we do that, Tom, why don't you take us into break? Yeah. So obviously we want to first encourage you to check us out at Facebook on our Facebook page. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Pine Class Preachers. We also encourage you to check out our ministry partner, The Gospel Economist. Uh, the Gospel Economist is an online publication made up of a group of writers that, that call attention to how uh, we see sin, uh, and forgiveness in our lives and, and how that transaction takes place. So you can check them out at uh, www.medium.com backslash the hyphen gospel 
Anonymous. It also happens to be where our podcast now resides in all its splendid glory. Uh, we no longer have our website. It is hosted specifically on the Gospel Economist website. So check us out there. Let's take us into break. Hey, listeners, uh, it's your friend Gabe here, and just want to give you a quick update about this episode and a few episodes that lay before us. Uh, we originally planned on doing this episode on atheism, uh, but we ended up finding a friend of ours who perhaps would not describe himself as an atheist, but but maybe more as, as non-religious or, or just trying to figure out what that looks like right now. And so that ended up being the majority of our interview uh, and it ended up being fascinating. And really through that, we realized man, this is such a big topic, right? If you read any sociological research right now, uh, it talks about in, in American culture, the rise of what people call the nuns or the, the non-religious, N-O-N-E. And, uh, and so we're thinking, man, for the next few episodes, we really wanna explore uh, what that looks like and, and where those perspectives are coming from. We each have friends that would define themselves as that, as non-religious. Uh, and we just love to hear their stories, where they're coming from, uh, and explore that as Christians and see if uh, if there's any way that, that we can help sort through that in this day and age. Uh, so we hope you enjoy this episode and uh, hope you enjoy future episodes as we explore this idea of what it is to be non-religious in America in the 21st century. Enjoy. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, hopefully you're still listening because, uh, you know, my pagan rant on Nordic uh, folk spiritual music hopefully didn't turn you off but speaking of someone who looks sort of Nordic at least if I thought so the first time I met him is a good friend of mine Jefferson Hodge who sits on the board of a local organization here in Chattanooga called Chattanooga Organized for Action uh, they do a lot of community advocacy work um, for not only equality and justice but all kinds of social issues and so it is my great pleasure to invite Jefferson Hodge to Pine Glass Preachers tonight Jefferson how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So first question, what church do you go to? <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was that was planned. I, I, no, I should have warned real, you about I that. Answer. I have a real answer. Okay. All right. Ooh, I sometimes go to an Episcopal church. Um, over, Which? Yeah. Um, Thankful Memorial. Oh, yeah. Thankful Memorial. Okay, cool. This yeah. is out of my neck of the woods, isn't it? Yeah, it's in San Elmo. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, the real South Side. Yeah, yeah. I, I started going there um, for holidays. I try to keep my holidays up. There um, you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, Christmas. Like those- any true Christian, <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you can't escape it, even if you sometimes want to. Apparently. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Hey, we, man. We, we we'll- like to call that in the in the biz seeing ears. Christmas, Christmas and Easter. Easter. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Hey man, well, why don't you do us a favor? Since uh, since my friends Tom and Gabe don't know you at all, and neither do pretty much anyone who's going to listen to this, unless some of our friends decide to, why don't you just uh, give us a little background on yourself, introduce yourself, tell us whatever you want, and omit whatever you want. Okay. Um. So, um, I guess I was I was raised in the Catholic Church, um, pretty religiously, 
um, to, to greater and lesser extents, I think, over the course of my childhood. Um, and I took it really seriously at the time. Um, I actually um, thought for a second I, I would be pursuing a vocation. Um, but I think, like, thinking back, I was pretty young, and I, I think I just liked the idea that I could live in a rectory without paying rent. <laughs> like monastic nice, vocation man. or are you talking like priesthood vocation like priesthood okay, yeah okay, okay um yeah, yeah uh monasticism i think requires um not enough talking yeah <laughs> i'm a talker not a reader that's good, that's good. Uh, <laughs> maybe i'm both but yeah. um but yeah so um and i took that really seriously f for a very long uh part of my life and um and have struggled with it immensely, I think, um, over the years. Which is why um, the, my sometimes church is an Episcopal church and not a Catholic church. Um, <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's the same general ritual, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it comes with a little less baggage. Um, and in particular, um, I, I struggle with some decisions made by the local diocese. Um, and, and also, like, I, I think my, my, my religious beliefs are complicated i just i say I'm, I'm religious i'm not spiritual yeah I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the complicated yeah um so i i don't think i i worry that if i qualify myself as a christian that i would offend christians a lot of the time mm. right um because i because I, I, I you know i hold those traditions really valuable and i think how i perceive the world um is through those um those beliefs i was raised in right so when i think of justice yeah. you know i think of uh christ right um yeah. when i think of like so many things that impact my life all of the time i uh you know I, I filter it through that perspective and i think that'll be always inseparable from me right um but yeah belief um i don't think comes naturally to me um being a believer, right? Um, right, right. Yeah, I, I had the X Files poster for a while. Like, I want to believe. Yeah, yeah. And that was like a religious icon for me. Dude, well, <laughs> welcome to the club because Gabe is Gabe is a residential existentialist who has like just needless to crises pretty yeah. much every thirty seconds of his entire life. Yep. So, <clears throat> any reference to obscure, uh, you know, Greek philosophers or anything like that. Uh, that's going to be right up Gabe's wheelhouse. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and and I think, man, you, I, I just I love what you're saying, Jefferson, because you are you're speaking. Uh, uh, do you guys say this in Tennessee? My heart language. No. Is no okay. No, is we that don't say that. That's only a Texas thing. Is that a Texas thing? And Whatever. You you're speaking stop, my heart language. You need to stop bringing in weird Texas rhetoric into our oh, conversations. Okay. I'm working on it. Uh, at any rate, no, 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 man. Because like, I feel like I get because I think that's a really real place. Uh, for for a lot of people where they sit on this like I want to believe but like I can't quite go there there's just like this sort of hurdle or wall that that stands in the way and uh, you know if this isn't putting you on the spot too much like would you mind saying um, like some of those things that maybe stand in the way for you or what that looks like for you where you're like I like I'd say I'm a Christian but dot 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 like what does that look like for you um, so I think it's, it's, um, but you know, I'm not sure about the afterlife. Right. Um, gotcha. but like, I mean, there's tenants too. Right. Right. So like, I'm, 
um, fairly progressive in my politics. And, sure. and, and there's folks across the board of, of you know, the global church. Right. Um, right. So th that's not really an issue necessarily. Um, but I think played a role in my sort of experiences, right? Sure, um, yeah. But, like, I struggle with, like, what a lot of churches, and, and Josh knows this pretty well because we work together um, with local churches um, on on issues that I think are important. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of churches don't show out. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. The bane, the bane uh, of our existence, Jefferson. Yeah. The bane <laughs> of our existence. <laughs> Yeah. So is there a little bit of that like hypocrisy of the church or hypocrisy of Christians that like sits in you that that kind of keeps you from from belief or Oh uh, yeah, I, I think that I I have like a like a a, a rebellious personality and I think that sure. once you start rebelling and 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 backlashing against institutions um you know, you, you you get introduced into the world where you start thinking about um problems with the inherent, you know, um Social structures that are yeah, there. The foundational, yeah. yeah, and the foundational belief system, right? So, like, if I want to yeah, right, right, right. right, an easy way to do that is to attack the foundational belief system as well. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that goes through, it went through my mind, at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most definitely. Can I, um, can I take us back a few steps, though? Because, um, like, it's funny, Jefferson, and, and this is one thing that I've, that I've always been curious about, so I'm hoping you'll, you know, indulge me but from from such a like i don't want to say rigorous but i mean such an investment in in your catholic faith uh early on in your life to the point where you're even considering priesthood which you know for us lutherans it's not as hardcore because we still get to get married and like there's Have not as sex. many restrictions on the priest yeah and like you know we get to get down and there's not as many restrictions on the on, on our particular you know uh priesthood so to speak, professional priesthood. Clergy. And, yeah, the clergy, whatever word you want to use. But like, it's so funny because as someone who would say that the that, that you had a desire to, end, or at least potential desire to enter the priesthood, that the one thing holding you back was belief. Like, yeah. So uh, define that for me because I've, yeah. I've always found that fascinating. I I think I can tell a bit more of a narrative here too. So um, I was I was intensely religious, and I was actually outside of the regular catechism classes. Right, I was doing um, individual ones with a deacon in the church, um, who I still respect immensely, and um, and it was like it was a whole part of my life um, that I took you know I took, I took very seriously. But um, uh, you know, I, I think I struggle with like my peers, right? I was like, well, well, guys, like, you know, I'm learning a lot about this and, and this is what our faith is about, right? And, and we talked a little earlier about hypocrisy and about um, that sort of thing, right? And, yeah. I, and I don't think what I was getting out of the text and what I was getting out of the, the dogma um, was being properly, you know, utilized. It wasn't being properly, um, you know, so it's like I, I got frustrated with that, right? Um, where yeah. I'm like, well, these are all a bunch of hypocrites, right? Um, right, right, right. And, and then, and then, <laughs> so but then I, I was like, also like, I've been there, man. Let, let me interject. Some, yeah. Let me interject a question there because this is something that I've always struggled with. What? Because I, I totally get the argument of, man, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites because you say we should do this, but then, but then you just do the same thing, and I, and I, and I get that. And and that's what a lot of non-Christians hear. Yeah. 
but how come then they never hear also the other statement that we always say is that we are inherently sinful and that that's a big problem for us. We know that we're hypocrites. We're trying not to be, but it's really hard. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's, um, and that's where I sort of found myself, right? Where I was like, well, you know, I'm a hypocrite too. Um, yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I, I can't invest myself a hundred percent in all these things. Right. I've become yeah. somebody, um, you know, who's cool with LGBT politics, right? I've become somebody um, who, you know, has deep criticisms on the church for like A, B, and C reason. I've become somebody, you know, who's who's come around on on issues of abortion. And, um, you know, so if I'm not investing myself 100%, then like, then you have the, the gap of belief, right? Where you're like, do I, I actually believe these things? Sure, so it wasn't necessarily like the, the belief in what you were, you know, studying as far as the text or, or even Catholic dogma, but it was more a belief in how can I reconcile what I'm reading, what I'm supposed to be yeah. according to my priest and my deacons or whatever, and what I'm experiencing as Jefferson Hodge in, you know, Southern culture or what I'm experiencing as Jefferson Hodge as a teenager, you know, coming around on the, on these issues, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I found I found differences with my belief system and um, with what I was supposed to believe, I guess. Hmm. Um, and yeah. with that, I stepped away with the church, and I've I've been trying to, you know, because I, you know, I, I think it's intensely valuable, and and I think that there's something that that you know, religion as a whole, but I guess Christianity specifically, like, is intensely valuable. Um, yeah. so, especially because, like, I mean, I mean, with the kind of work that I do, you know, we see awful things every freaking day. You know, and there's, mm -hmm. and there's not, for some people, you know, there's no good answers, right? There's not going right. to be, not going to, it's not going to get better, you know? Um, so Jefferson, yeah. what I hear you saying a little bit is, is Christian, Christianity is intensely valuable uh, from a morality way of living standpoint, but I, I, I hear a big but in there when it comes that's to just you buddy and you cannot lie and we've gone there okay come on he said but when we but sorry sorry no i'm trying to think uh but but when it comes to when it comes to the the person of jesus the the god piece of it is is there a tripping up there for you? I think it's the opposite. If I'm conversation prior to this, Jefferson, um, if I've understood them correctly, is that it's actually the sort of the that's just like a loaded word, but it's it's the flip side of what you said, Tom. That perhaps this narrative of of the Bible, this Jesus guy, are actually believable, but the and the you know laws set up by the church is what wasn't mm, fitting yeah, yeah. with your particular. I mean, with your with your framework and understanding, and and based on experience of in the world. Yeah, yeah, I would say, and I think there's, I think within, um, I think within the Protestant movements, um, there's a little more wiggle room for all that business. Being a Catholic, they're pretty, they're pretty. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big We've got wheel room. Yeah. <laughs> when the cardinal shows up at your door, you're screwed. 
Um, yeah, no, and I, and I think that like everybody, everybody struggles with doubt, right? And everybody struggles with the notions that hey, maybe these stories are just all fictitious, right? Right. Um, that doesn't necessarily matter to me, because hmm. um, hmm. because I, I don't think it's 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 that important, right? I think it's it's the belief. You know, that's, I, I don't know, you know. Well, and can I ask this, and maybe this is what we're driving towards, is is like, I think, uh, you know, one of the, the the things that I come back to, I guess, as as a, as a believer uh, and, and as, as a pastor, frankly, is is like, is this idea of truth, right? Like, like how can we know what's true? And, and, and how do we know that? And, and there's kind of, you know, some would say, well, you know, divine revelation, the scriptures, the person of Jesus Christ. Some would say my personal experience. Some would say it's a mixture of both those things. And, and so I, I just wonder for you, uh, Jefferson, like, like what that's looked like for you, as you've said, Hey, I'm kind of, you know, departing from the faith that I had as a child, but faith still seems important. Like what, where do I, where do you find truth in the midst of all that? I guess is my question. Yeah. So, um, I think that um, I think that the human beings have a capacity to be forgiven, right, um, mm -hmm. and change and progress. I think that um, human beings um, can can do justice and 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 uh, you know walk humbly with. Our God. Their God. <laughs> oh man, he's yeah. quoting scripture. Come on. <laughs> the priest has arrived. <laughs> what is it? To do justice, love mercy. That's uh, right, man. Yeah. Walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God, yeah. Micah. Uh, that's right. That's the mission statement of, of our church, Jefferson. You is are it? unintentionally repping Bridge City right now. Uh, <laughs> you go to Bridge City thank community. You. Yep. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, Deacon and, and so, so, so I, I so I think that I, I think that there's truth there, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know about facts, and I, and I make mm. a distinction, right? So, because um, I, you know, ultimately can't you can't know, right? You can believe things right. to be true. Um, these are not going to be verifiable facts, right? Um, right. No matter how many weird History Channel documentaries will be like, we found Jesus's grave again. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. You're telling me that the wait. Are are you telling me that the Creation Museum isn't <laughs> like scientific fact? Noah's Ark that they just rebuilt isn't entirely correct. No comment. My world is shattered. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't, I don't know. No, I, actually. Yeah, no, uh, Gabe, I think you were in the class that I was in at seminary with, uh, with Tony Cook, and this has been a phrase that's stuck with me, at least personally, for a long, long time, because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to be this of Christianity uh, in my church. I mean, I started the church, I'm a pastor, so I'm not supposed to reveal doubt or anything like that, and yet at the same time, there are plenty of days where I'm just like, you know, like, that would suck. What what if this? What if I'm on the wrong side of the fence on this? And it and it always reminds me of that. Uh, are you sniffing glue? I am. Don't worry about it. Oh my gosh! Just trying to stay up, homie. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh. Dude, Jefferson, I just I'm so sorry. I didn't me. warn you that exactly. you're gonna walk into Campus someone clothes. huffing glue on this. Our episode. listeners can't see this.
Get off the glue. Now, I'm describing it in very, very descriptive detail. Anyway, so this now professor we had. Glue. It was in a bottle with the orange cap. Oh, my gosh. Left it nostril. Closed. It was closed. Take me in front of my friends. Okay, that's what's happening right now. Sorry. I have Sorry, to see Jefferson. Jefferson tomorrow, and this is going to come back to bite me. Anyway. Sorry, bro. Prof, teaching a class on postmodern postmodernism and Christianity. And he dropped this phrase, and it's always stuck with me, that I believe in absolute truth, but I believe that I cannot know truth absolutely. And for me, that's that's been a, a lens that's helped me interpret not just my own doubt, but just kind of societal doubt when it comes to not just Christian faith, but but religiosity in general. Because I think, Jefferson, like you said, uh, like way at the beginning, that not just do humans have the capacity to be forgiven, but to sort of like, you know, uh, understand that there's something greater than themselves. You know what I mean? Like that there's value in yeah. faith systems. But to make absolute claims on those on those truths that you hold in faith is is actually quite arrogant. Um, and ultimately, it comes down to just belief that I believe that there's something true about this. I can't prove it to you. I can't put my finger on it, um, and I never will. Yet at the same time, I'm I'm able to hold what seems like a false dichotomy in tension. Dude, so let me respond to that though, because oh boy, I, I know. What well, now that I've sniffed my glue, um, I, my, <laughs> my ear, like I agree ninety percent with what you said, Josh. Okay, so what's the ten percent of disagreement the, that you're about to try? The ten percent is right this, now? like. That, what you said leaves room for you to be the ultimate authority. And to me, like, that, that's, that's why I feel like sort of, I don't know, Western thought uh, has led itself to this sort of age of skepticism, age of secularism, whatever you want to say, is this idea that the individual ends up being the ultimate authority. And in one sense, we all maybe kind of like that. And then in another we're not that great at it. And so to me, you become the dictator of what you want to believe to be true, whether it's absolute or not, isn't as opposed that... to truth dictating what you do. Okay. Right? So, so isn't... I want to live in line with reality. Okay. So, but isn't that what faith is and not to get into Lutheran doctrine specifically, but that's why we make oh, a distinction do. between objective and subjective faith. You know, objectively, Christ died for every single human being on the planet for all eternity, right? Right. But that truth doesn't become salvific truth welcomed in faith in the individual subjectively. Now, so, see, you're confusing the terms here, though. It's objective and subjective justification. Okay. So, I mean, okay. it's different, though. No, Be I mean— because well, so the truth is, keep going. I'll just keep going because otherwise it'll get too inside baseball. Yes, so no, go ahead. no, you're right. And but I think the terms can be synonymous in the sense that if I believe, if I'm a Christian and I believe that Jesus died objectively, uh, or in his death, the world, all of creation for all time is objectively justified. I believe yep. that to be absolutely true. Yep. But if I do not welcome that as a subjective matter of faith, then it, it does not hold true for me. 
That's yeah. all I'm saying. So that's why I yeah, yeah. Okay, I, okay. I know what you're saying, but I, I yeah I get what you're saying now. Yeah, yes. yeah. All right, then I'm with you. And so that's I'll go, that's I'll go to Hundo. And just like just like if you're a Buddhist or if you're a Hindu or if you're a Muslim, like you're gonna believe that their whatever tenets of that particular faith tradition are true. But if you do not believe them outside the realm of truth, and so then it becomes this inherently subjective situation, regardless of its uh, of the actual faith tradition that it comes from. But would you say there's an underlying truth, right? So you know, like the whole um, yes, but I'm not going to be thing, yes, right? Like I'm six blind guys touch an elephant. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not going to be as so arrogant in my in, in at least from a perspective that I'm a broken human. And I don't have right. godlike vision. I'm not going to be so arrogant to say that I am the one who can nail down that truth or delineate it perfectly. What? Yeah, I said you are the one who knocks. Yeah. Yes. I, I am Walter bad. White. I'm I am Walter culture. White. I am the one who knocks. Okay. How do you okay, think we keep our church Got running? It. I sell meth. That's that's smart. Smart. Yeah. I feel well. I feel like that's probably not good, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not good that I sell math, but, but whatever. Anyways, enough of our uh, side conversation. Yes. Sorry. Where, um, where, is, uh, where his church is, he, I don't think he can cut other people's business. I think they shut that down pretty quick in all the part. <laughs> that is true. That is very true. <laughs> I mean, but, but what do you think? I know we kind of nerded out a little bit, uh, Jefferson, but, I mean, what do you think about the – like Gabe obviously took us in a really terrible direction with his. No, listen, Jefferson was tracking. Tom was not. Okay. Go on. Okay. So now that we brought Tom into the fold, <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> I mean, and this, I have no motive or objective. Like, do you believe that there is an absolute truth or that all truth is subjective? Oh, sh I know. I mean, it's kind of a hugely loaded <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah, it's but, a good question. Um, Oh, God. You know how many post-structuralist people I've read? <laughs> a lot. I, I know that for a fact that it's a lot. Um, oh, no. My, uh, Dude, let me ask you. The, the well, woman who taught me is this. Sorry. Oh, go on. No, talk Lacan. I want to hear about Lacan. No, 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 no. I don't want to talk about okay. I'm just saying that like, she might listen to this and then like I'm gonna to have to, to justify some answers. Yeah, justify yourself to her. Yeah. Well No, I mean you're obviously like a, a well read dude and a and a super sharp guy. Like what's uh what's your background in that? Like is it just kind of purely personal interest or do you have academic background in that? And what's that what's that look like for you? Because, I mean Lacan is not a name that most people know. And uh you dropped it pretty casually. So, like, where's where's all that come from for you? Um, I uh, have most of a gender studies degree, so um, okay. Lacan is is pretty important um, yeah. in that, and 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 also most of an English degree. So, uh, um, a lot of the post structuralists, and I, I'd say Lacan is probably up there with Foucault, if not, yeah, yeah. not I less. Love Foucault, love less. Foucault. I love Foucault, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Power is knowledge. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Foucault is probably easier to read than Lacan. That is true. Um, <laughs> I've never read any Lacan yet. I don't yeah. want to. No, you well, know what? He's Lacan's... Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. With all these folks, man, Lacan, Judith Butler, those folks, like, come on, you can summarize it in 10 pages. We don't need a whole book for this. Yep. 
<laughs> now that no is doubt, true. Man. That it's is like, true. It's like, right. uh, That's absolute truth. Absolute truth. Absolutely. Right there. Lacan is writing in Latin words that he made up because they're not actual Latin words. How profound. Yeah. Um, okay, well, well with the but, uh, existential, all right. with with the existential question of truth aside. Right. What about some other hiccups? And and I'm not saying that that you have these particular you know hiccups, Jefferson. Um, but I, I know that some do when it comes to at least Christianity. Because I mean, and that's the only thing I'm qualified to speak of. I mean, I know a little bit about Hinduism and Buddhism, and but like, what about things? It, it, I don't know. I guess it it sort of crosses the board too with a lot of faith traditions um, that that utilize mythology, but like. What about miraculous events or, you know, things that exist at least in in these, you know, mythologies that exist outside of natural occurrences? You know what I mean? Like, has that ever been a hiccup for you or or anyone that you know um, who would also consider themselves, you know, yeah. spiritual I'm, or religious or religious but not spiritual or whatever? Yeah. I'm not sure what happened at Fatima. Um. I would speculate, not a miracle. Mm. Um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. I don't know, man. I think sometimes people just see things. Okay. <laughs> um, like, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, like, so, like, miraculous occurrences. Uh, are we talking, like... Uh, Let's talk, like, biblical ones, like biblical Jesus. Ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, right? And that's the thing is, like, like and I don't think you're supposed to know. I think you're supposed to believe, right? And, like, mm. that's where the struggle comes in, right? Because um, you can believe, I guess you can believe in the in the this sort of truth in the narrative, right? That like, well, um, it's a it's a good story in a way of like passing down knowledge or relating knowledge or a way to interpret the world, right? Um, yeah. But did it actually one hundred percent happen? Um, even even in, in the sense that like, you know, the gospels got eighty percent of it wrong or something. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't. That's that's the you know then you're at the you're at the the, the cliff that you got to make the leap of faith on right and 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 I'm just sitting there going like well I don't know I don't know I don't know yeah. you know dude can I ask you this do you ever because I and I get that man do, do you ever though do you ever doubt your doubts right so to say like okay I got to make the leap of faith on say let's let's say this let's let's say if I were to say to you. Jefferson, uh, the the gospels are inerrant in their message of the gospel of Jesus. Now, for you to respond to that is going to be a response of faith, right? And and so to say, all right, to believe that these uh, biographies of Jesus are inerrant, uh, that's a response of faith. Uh, what if you were to say, why, like, like, I, and I don't believe that. So why don't I believe that? And why don't I believe that? And why don't I be, believe that? And kind of like drill to the bottom of of what it is that that is making that wall for you of faith. Does that make sense? I'm sorry if that's yeah, too no, personal no, a question. No, it's not. I don't think I've ever really done that exercise. Okay, I was just curious. Okay. Yeah. No, it seems like yeah. You know, I I think I'd I'll give that a shot. Um, obviously, okay. it requires a little introspection, but uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> no, no, no. We want you to do that right now. You have three yeah. Could you do it live? Um, no. I need some more Takati Tall Boys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. Um, 
Yeah, no, yeah, I don't, and that's, and that's fine. I mean, it, yeah. that's, and that's a big question. I, I think, and that's always been a practice for me to be like, man, what is that? Like, why do I have this hang up or why am I so convicted by this? And like trying to sort that through is, it's tricky, man. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Well, Hey man, it's been awesome having you. I, uh, for one, if I can be so bold, uh, really appreciate your, your honesty and your thoughts and, uh, being willing to, to talk with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. This has been great. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're we just came back from an interview with our good friend Jefferson, and I think a lot of things came out of that. Uh, we're discussing this this topic of of belief in God, the the topic of that we have a group of people who considers themselves nuns. Uh, reaction to this to this conversation, guys. I mean, I would say right off the bat, like I know Jefferson. We've had a, a many conversations, not quite as in-depth, um, I would say, as tonight, but certainly conversations about faith and, and religious upbringing and that kind of thing. And and for me, I think it just reaffirmed the fact that it's too easy to, at least for me, to get caught up in the weekly and monthly and yearly rhythm of ministry within my own Christian church to not have blinders on, but to see that there's so much more depth that able to be explored um, and that just can't happen without talking to people who are outside of our particular lens of faith, belief, religiosity, spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I'll say, I mean, for me, I, uh, I've been, I, I don't know, blessed is the right word or whatever, but, but I've got a good number of friends that, uh, would fit this, this nun category, N-O-N-E, um, as, as sociologists would say, folks who identify as, as non-religious. And, um, what I really appreciate about Jefferson was like, he, the dude is well thought on it. Like, I, I feel like oftentimes people fall out of faith or fall out of the church or whatever. And there's not a ton of thought to it. It's just like, yeah, I didn't like that, so I left. Or this one bad thing happened, and so I was done. And 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 those, you know, our experiences are, are fair, and I don't want to critique people that way. But but I do want to say there's a, a depth of thought that uh, is often lacking, at least in my conversations with folks. And it was really refreshing to hear Jefferson very clearly is like has worked through a lot of this and is trying to figure it out and is journeying through. And that was, that was just awesome to, to hear kind of his insights into that journey. And so, uh, I don't know, boy, Jefferson, holla at your boy, holla at your boy. You know, one of the, one of the interesting things for me, as, as we start to, as we start to digest this, I mean, we have this great conversation with somebody who clearly has a background in, in a faith culture, uh, Catholicism. And, but, 
the thing, like you said, Gabe, some of the things that he's hearing from the pulpit are not, uh, not lining up with what either he is experiencing in, in his daily life or what he holds to be true. And so uh, I think, again, you know, that's where people really have this problem. And, and the interesting part is where they, where certain parts of it don't line up and then they just reject, reject the main premise of, of God mm -hmm. or Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, so. and why is that? And so I, uh, you know, I think, I think the three of us, as we as we went to break, I think for for all of you listeners, you need to know that we went to break for a half hour, and the three of us talked about the conversation that we just had. And you know, we walked into this interview thinking, you know, we're going to talk about atheism, we're going to talk about uh, unbelief, and then by the end of this, everyone's going to be saved, and that's 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 how it's going to work, right? But this is a huge topic to unpack. This is. Uh, there are so many different facets to this. This is a multi-layered conversation, and we can't cover this in in one episode. And and so, what we decided at break is we are actually going to take this out into multiple episodes. So, for those of you who are still hanging on and listening, we are going to make this into a multi-episode uh, topic, and we are going to bring in other guests to talk about this this rise of the nuns and and where this all plays out from from their perspective and our perspective as as Christians who believe in Jesus Christ. Cool, cool. Well, uh, hey, Josh, we close this out with a few shout outs. Last call. That was a throwback. Boom, boom, boom. I, haven't, I haven't done that in at least an episode. It's been too long. It has been. Uh, but anyway, uh, if you have ever heard the name Lacan before or Foucault, or any other post-structuralist existentialist, then surely you have visited Axe Leander and listened to a sermon by Pastor Gabe, because he loves to drop French philosophers like his day-old baguette. You know hey, it! Uh, but if you just want to come hang out with me and Jefferson and do some cool stuff and receive complete and utter rejection by our local Catholic diocese, then feel free to visit Bridge City Community in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tom, God bless you for providing the world with fresh-baked French bread. Or hey, if we, if we don't got French philosophers, we got French bread. hey -oh. oh, There you go. And, of course, Janet, we know for sure that at least you will be listening to this. And so we thank you for your continued support. We love and you, all, Janet. We love you, Janet. We love everyone who listens to the Plank Class Preachers. And on that note, I think we'll bid you adieu. Yeah. Do you know any French? Tom? French? No, no, got that. That's great. Very uh, very topical. Way to wrap that up. Downhill. Yeah, that's actually all I know. Okay, we'll see you next week. Later.